0: Today on Lore Party, Tenenbaum. Is that a German holiday tree, or is she just a badass revolutionary who outlives every antagonist of the Bioshock series? We've got the scoop.
1: Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. On today's episode, we're talking about Bridget Tenenbaum. I'm Caleb.
0: I'm Kevin. And my name's Leo. So first, we're going to give a little bit of a history about who this lady is. Um, she is a former Nazi concentration camp prisoner. Uh, when she was 16 years old, she um, was taken prisoner. And it was a little different prisoner... Um, lifestyle for her, I guess I'd say. Uh she was a scientist already and she had like this natural scientific brilliance and she piqued the minds of a lot of the Nazi scientists. Um they thought she was like this prodigy. Um and so they brought her in to aid them in all of their experiments on other uh captors. Uh and then they gave her they gave her a nickname, uh, Das Wunderkind Uh, The Wonder Child. So the whole aspect of being um, almost embraced by the Nazis during World War II kind of completely not only changed her view of Nazis, but also it um, influenced her heavily in her own ethic and moral code. So what do you think of that? About like a prisoner being, you know, kind being if somebody's being kind to them as a nazi
2: i mean i i see this as she's clearly in a tough spot she's of jewish descent in auschwitz watching people dying and you think about like utilizing what you have at your 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 um disposal to find life and to to continue living and she is brilliant she's a natural scientific genius even as a child and starts helping them with the experiments. And that's, it's crazy to think about, but you know, her her entire family is killed. And like, um, and I mean, of course I can't condemn that. I I can't, no, of course I can't endorse that. That's the word. Uh, (laughs) but it is, it is one of those things that, you know, there really isn't a, there, there isn't winning in that situation. Um, I don't think she, I don't think she should have helped them. But I do see this as the beginning of. We see her natural brilliance. We see her resilience and her the her ability to find the way out of a of what looks like a zero win game. Like there's no way to get out, and she does.
1: I would imagine that this upbringing, that the worldview that she formed from all of this, is a lot of what probably made her, in many ways, an ideal associate to Andrew Ryan. The fact that by necessity she developed a this like internal disconnect and the ability to kind of watch and assist in these human experiments from at least what she perceives as an objective perspective and i think in a lot of ways that's what made her an ideal associate for andrew ryan
0: agreed i'd i'd definitely agree with all of that um something that i would add though is if you, as we continue to look at her life, it almost as if it evolves to her just as a survival instinct to where she's kind of, she's kind of into it. She, for instance, in all of her recordings from, from the games, uh, they're, you know, the little interviews she has, um, she starts calling like all the experiments that, she did on on these prisoners is like oh these are just useless experiments like all they care about is like oh your eye color oh that's something cool yeah well you know what why is this person born strong why is this person she gets like really into it and she kind of utilizes that as like the lack of moral and ethical scientific method as a way for her to learn more. And she just, it's not like she almost, fu- she doesn't really talk about like how she tries to fight that. She's just embraces. She it. doesn't, she, um, she doesn't
1: criticize them for their inhumanity. She criticizes them for their inefficiency
0: <laughs> and yeah, like, she calls, lack of creativity.
2: So,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, she, she's, she starts in, in one of, um in, when, when she talks about like Frank Fontaine and, how when she moves to Rapture, cause in, 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 1946, she, she goes to Rapture and she kind of Rapture, I think is appealing to her because she had the freedom to kind of do what she wanted. Uh, just like the Nazis did. She doesn't necessarily have to follow any rules. There, there's like this, um, I, it's like by
2: repressing that sympathy and that kindness, it just allowed her to focus on the excitement of learning and experimenting Without any of the ethics, which I think, to Caleb's point, and I completely agree, this like very much aligned her with Ryan's objectivist utopia of, oh yeah, we don't worry about ethics; we just explore what's possible. And that idea of like, oh, the Nazis were short-sighted in their experiments. Now I'm in this place where I can just thrive as someone who can try anything, throw it all at the wall, right, and see what sticks.
0: Yeah, she calls the Nazis kindred spirits like she compares them to this like again she compliments them it's it's very odd she i feel like her upbringing with the nazis like it gave her because i don't know if it was because she was they were kind to her maybe but like they were kinder to her and they embraced yeah. her brain and they didn't knowledge. kill her <laughs> they were like we're gonna yeah i mean literally that's that's the ultimate kindness for them um i i just see that as maybe that is like this it, it put this weird like view of them in her head.
1: Yeah, like an intellectual Stockholm syndrome sort of. Right. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, yeah that's pretty good.
2: Damn. <laughs> you saying that just gave me a bachelor in psychology. That's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so basically she's in rapture and she sees it it's so appealing because she can do anything she wants without this ethic, moral like enforcement. Um and she discovers Adam and the slugs and she's like, oh, wow, like this is amazing. And she's obsessed with like the whole genetic um, splicing and every and 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 all these recordings you can you can listen to. She says how amazed she is and she describes in detail what Adam actually does. Um, and then there's one where she said she. She needs something else. This atom is amazing, but there's something about it. I need something else. And then, like, one of the next recordings is like, I found these little girls.
2: (laughs) And it's crazy to think, like, seriously, under, under sea slugs who have a material in them that repairs genetic material or repairs, like, allows the body to regrow. She goes from that of, like, oh, what a weird thing, to literally every type of, like, like the the development of tonics with fontaine and the oh, yeah. the genetic enhancements and and then little sisters like creating factories for this material through experimenting with hosts the the sheer amount that she single-handedly decided and de- and determined and figured out through her experiments is mind-boggling within this world
0: so yeah so basically she's in rapture for a long time she creates these little sisters She's the one behind it all, but then there's another recording um where you find out that she she describes it as a motherly instinct, but I think it's I think that's just her description of it um because she talks about how the she kind of interacts with these little sisters after a while and she says like how they stare at her and it creeps her out. It's worth
2: mentioning really quickly that like adam's development let us remember because i think when i when i think about playing bioshock in the world of bioshock i think about all these magnificent powers and i think about all this power and this capability that is granted because of adam but it is worth mentioning that like it was just it was discovered that the splicers right these people who are deformed terrifying monsters are a byproduct of the mental and physical deterioration that adam causes and she knew about this she was like yeah totally that's fine And again, even with the little sisters, she's like, yeah, children, cool, whatever. Like, totally fine. As you, as you pointed out, Kevin, like she went from like one audio recording of how I think I might have something. And she's like, little girls, I figured it out. Little girls, let's (laughs) fill them with slugs. It's great. Like it's, it's a crazy leap, but she's totally cognizant throughout this process that this is not a perfect solution. It's causing all these problems. And a few people have pointed out online that they probably could have solved some of these problems, like with enough experimentation, but there just wasn't reason to. Like, let it be addictive. Let it destroy people's lives. Who cares? We're It's all in the name of progress, right?
0: It's just like this corruption effect. I feel like Rapture had this kind of corruption effect on everybody where, like you said, the experiments, it's just do your thing. And nobody's going to enforce anything about any issues until after a while. Andrew Ryan becomes paranoid and crazy, but that's besides the point. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so she ends up like she describes this thing as like a motherly instinct. And like I said, I don't think it's necessarily a motherly instinct to where I think it's just like this primal, like moral compass. And I personally don't think Andrew Ryan necessarily accounted for, but she leaves Rapture. She's like, I'm out. I can't do this. And then she comes back to Rapture. And I, now, now, if you guys want to chime in with this one, I think it's because when she left Rapture, she started kind of having moral thoughts and more like a moral compass started to, you know, started pointing north and saying, wait a second. And when she left this society that doesn't enforce these morals, or ethics, or any type of empathy, she encounters our society, if you will, and I think that that was what... I mean, you said it something earlier when we were talking before the episode where you said that that kind of cemented everything. The, 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 the primitive aspect of moral compass was like a little bit of a catalyst with these children, and then all of a sudden it got cemented by being in our uh, society.
1: And I think that's actually where uh, I think I disagree with uh, your take on that a little bit with uh, her, the sense of morality that she developed working with the Little Sisters being cemented by her time outside of Rapture. Because you also have to remember that Rapture, depending on like how you measure the timeline, Rapture in its first and earliest form through Andrew Ryan was only around for about 15, 20 years. Like, the majority of the people that were there were people who had grown up in what you say are society infected by morality. Like, Andrew Ryan didn't build Rapture to be an ideologically isolated uh, place. He built it to be a place where morality wasn't enforced, but not where morality wasn't allowed or discussed. So it isn't that Tenenbaum was exposed to or surrounded by ideas of morality when she left rapture i think that if anything it just goes to show that it was very much an internal thing on her part
2: i mean i would i i I find myself somewhere in between (laughs) now the important thing here i think is that she mentions in the audio log her her motherhood instinct this idea that she recognizes that these children are still children and they're still humans and they're not something to be utilized like a resource They're they are eventual people in productive parts of society and throwing their lives away is not worth anything and i i think when we look at like maybe that started really significantly with the little sisters i do think that maybe getting away from rapture was probably a good thing where like the momentum that was built up by living in rapture for 20 years and just seeing the shit that goes down and maybe eventually you stop wondering am I doing the right thing and you start focusing on shooting more bees out of your arms or ejecting lightning from your face like these are the more <laughs> important moment to moment decisions for the <laughs> for the fine denizens
0: of rapture <laughs> I also see it as Caleb you said you know oh it's not that morality is not discussed it's just they don't you know they don't have to enforce it well when it's not enforced that means like yeah sure you can discuss it doesn't mean i'm listening so it's necessarily like somebody could be telling her hey i don't think this is right and she just ignores them so i see it more as this experiment itself forced her to notice it and forced her to all of a sudden gain empathy for these children and remember the people that she did experiments on and the other children that were captives and stuff she says you know they're just children even though they have these slugs in their bellies they are you know they're still kids they're playing they're running around they're having fun and they look at me and it and it terrifies me it weirds me out basically but it's not necessarily she doesn't say how they're really like looking at her they're not doing like that creepy little girl stare where they're like hello and they're like down a hallway it's just like maybe they're just looking at her like as if you know oh hey mom like you know what i mean like maybe they see her as a motherly figure and it's freaking her the hell out so i would say i am i'm in the middle as well i guess i've shifted now Hmm, people change um <laughs> So I guess I've I'm kind of with Leo on it. I think it's like, yeah, just because you don't have to just because they're talking about it, she doesn't have to listen. But then she's forced to.
1: And I think to elaborate a lot more on kind of uh, how Tenenbaum's like views and how her capacity for change, uh, how it holds up to the idea of what Rapture is as an ideal and what uh, Andrew Ryan's ideals for rapture is like there's a lot of a lot of different directions and themes we can explore about tenenbaum because she's just just such a complicated person with such a complicated life yeah but i think the thing that makes her like truly fascinating and truly central to bioshock's themes and narrative is the fact that uh she does not fit into the worldview of bioshock one or bioshock two's antagonists worldviews
2: yeah so true
1: um so to elaborate uh, Andrew Ryan like we we spent a lot of episode 1 talking a lot more about uh, Andrew Ryan's philosophies. Um his pseudo objectivism and kind of capitalistic view of the world. Um he believes in a world where ethics only serves to make as he describes it the great fear the small and he built Rapture as a way to make what he saw as a paradise where the strong, the intelligent, the resourceful can thrive without what he calls, uh, petty morality. And, uh, um, he holds that having these people unchecked by what he calls leeches would be able to accomplish, like, much greater things. He s- views morality as being this kind of artificial construct and thinks that compassion has no place or purpose in his vision of Rapture.
2: It, You know, and as much as I cannot condone most of what happens in Rapture, period, like the idea of getting from sea slug on the bottom of the ocean to advanced genetic, like genetic enhancements and these incredible powers that we see throughout the entire series. And it's really kind of insane how much is accomplished And I think this is always, this is the nature of humanity. And we look back on massive accomplishments in different moments of history, whether it's like the Great Wall of China and the sheer number of people that died creating it. And basically, it kind of fits into this pattern of humanity having these moments of we have to accomplish this thing for whatever reason. Let's do what it takes, whatever the cost. And it, they accomplished really incredible things in Rapture that would not have been possible with ethics and morality. But it is refreshing to see at least one person be like, Whoa, oh, oh, wait, this is bad. This is this is a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> like, fuck, that girl is so full of slugs. Just top, top it off. <laughs> top off that girl with
0: slugs. <laughs> but I mean, like, what? It only took her 15 years, right? I mean, yeah. it only... It took a while, but yeah, she got there.
2: Listen, I thought I liked Evanescence for more than 15 years, so <laughs> she she beats me. Also, no shade. I still like Evanescence. She's great.
1: I still They're like them, too. They're great. So getting off of music recommendations. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: so I think uh, where Tenenbaum kind of throws a wrench in that, though, she's one of the few characters who reflects on her actions um, with regret, like her life very clearly being in two stages. Um, like, following Ryan's philosophies, but then all of a sudden pivoting to this place of compassion where, again, her motherly instincts, as Kevin describes it, kick in, or whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to theorize was the catalyst for it, to deciding she's going to save these young girls. The thing is, Tenenbaum is brilliant, and she is kind. And in Andrew Ryan's worldview, those two things cannot sustain. But she disproves that belief and outlives him.
2: Which is, what a flex. What a flex (laughs) to just be like, hey, your entire worldview is dumb. And also, hey, by the way, you're dead. And I'm still fucking here. So
1: I don't know. I like to think that like, after after the events of the first game, she snuck in there and like got a few hits with the golf club before. <laughs> <laughs> wow,
2: what a deleted scene that Damn. would be!
1: Just her like, looming over the just body, like, just, just kind of polite, just <laughs> not not even like passionate or angry about it. Just like walks in, sees it there, like. <laughs> Anyway,
0: I could see her just like looking at the body and just like rolling her eyes and like muttering in German or something. Just like, oh, <laughs> like you're a fucking idiot. This the loser.
1: And I mean, like the fact that we can picture it, it's kind of the point, though, like her
0: disgust <laughs>
1: of what Rapture has become, like provides this in world evidence that Ryan and then even later, uh, which we're going to talk about in a bit, Sophia Lamb, like not being these all leading universal like uh, visionaries that they pretend to be.
2: And it is, I mean, I, it's so often the case in these video games where you are the dissenting voice, where you like, you come into a city and it's like, I'm the king. And you're like, no. And they're like, okay. And you do battle and you win. But like in this case, we arrive in this world and there are already dissenters. Like there are already people going, wait, no, this is horse shit, which is important because again, this this continues this trend of, it could have been a very black and white story but there are a lot of grays
0: and there are characters who change okay we're going to take a quick break here but stick around we'll be right back
3: beyond the stars an ancient secret beckons armies clash and fight for dominance unaware of the part they are playing in cosmic destiny among the chaos one soldier the master chief stands for hope, and becomes a beacon for all humanity. Hello, I'm Connor, a regular producer here on Lore Party. Join me and my co-host Jaden as we explore the world of Halo. Come with us as we jump into the intricate stories behind the games, explore the many thrilling adventures that take place throughout the setting, dissect the ethical quandaries that arise during futuristic interstellar conflict, and much more. To find our series, simply search for Halo in your Lore Party feed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the great journey.
0: So, Caleb, you said something earlier as well. You said that Andrew Ryan's philosophy was to get the primitive man to be the ultimate man. Like, the primitive man is the the closer we get to our roots as men as as humans the closer we are to a perfect civilization and i don't think he realized that the moral compass of man is not necessarily a modern concoction or societal invention i don't think he took into account that like it's more than that and it's I hate to use the term, it's in our genetics, but it's, it it's, that's what it is. It's part of our instincts.
1: That's exactly like, right. I think the, he, um, Andrew Ryan sees morality as being artificial, as being something that society created or something that the weak members of society created so that the strong would protect them. But the very fact that morality developed in people that according to Andrew Ryan's vision of people it shouldn't have developed in um is the very thing that kind of disproves it that there is some innate morality or some innate goodness in tenenbaum and therefore in humanity tenenbaum is everything ryan would have considered a perfect candidate for leadership in rapture like she is everyone who andrew ryan believed would thrive in rapture who would succeed in Rapture and would never be at risk of being held back by morality. And yet, despite that, despite um, being everything that he would have considered free, she was. She still uh, found herself willfully, of her own accord, finding a change of heart, developing morality, and choosing to pursue that. And I think that's where her very existence, that's where the decision, decisions she made aren't just opposed to Andrew Ryan but they disprove him entirely and i think like to as as another example like she sent a letter to uh suchong that uh can be found in burial at sea she says um, Su Chong, of all the things I know, I know this. It is in your power to be a different man. What can Ryan take from us that we have not already sacrificed at the altar of discovery? They are children, little sisters, and yes, they will forget. But you and I won't. The memories of what we have done fade only with the dimming of all lights. Like, that shows that even after the events of Bioshock, that this sense of morality, this empathy that she found for the little sisters, um, whatever its origin, did last it formed in rapture and lasted after
2: the idea that she's like, no, 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 they might forget, but we will never. And like, we will remember and we will regret. And is it worth doing these things that, that we will never forget that will be a part of us forever. And that's, that's just a whole new direction that again, I, I I think you're right. Andrew Ryan did not account for, and maybe it's just because Andrew Ryan's kind of a, focused person who's trying to force this simplistic philosophy into an entire utopia or he's
1: just a dick
0: um <laughs> these two things just are not exclusive <laughs> well yeah no he 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 really i think he's blinded by his own vision and his his ego and that's what like makes him just He doesn't want to evolve or change his ideals or even his ideas. He's like, Nope, I just came up with it. So it's great. And it's like, No, dude, like you didn't account for this and this and this. No, 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 because that's all bullshit. Like that's his literal reasoning behind things. It
2: is interesting how many people seem to be totally, uh, totally helpless to avert course or like adjust course in Rapture you know, for as brilliant as every single person, presumably in this society is because they were like hand selected and invited from the world, it, regardless of how stupid or like they've realized things are or how much evidence there is that clearly it doesn't work. Everyone is like committed. So, and I say this also to double down on the fact that Tenenbaum's kind of an incredible, I mean, clearly an incredible mind, but also to have the mental wherewithal to reverse trajectory and to say, even though it's this, it's so easy to just continue refining and and fixing and doing all these things, I'm really going to take stock of like my ethical choices and what I'm leaving behind and my
0: like legacy. Well, that's the thing. Why should she have, why should any of these people have to change anything again? So what if we're talking about moral stuff? I don't have to listen to you. I don't need to change my ideas. I don't need to adapt because I'm just going to do it anyway.
1: And that's the thing. How, however you measure it, she didn't need to. She wasn't in a position of weakness. She was in a position where she could have very, like, very easily succeeded in everything she was trying to do. And yet she chose, of her own free will, to do something different. Like, however you measure it. She was, not res- she was not restrained by anything that Andrew Ryan believed would tie her to morality, and yet she chose empathy, sympathy, and compassion.
2: Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening.